So we're going to talk about missions and discipleship. Why is that important? And uh, what I want you to do is, is to really think about as a church, you as a Christian, uh, these are words you hear all the time. And these are things that I was pondering in my heart and my mind is like, okay, God, like what is what is really needs to happen? And I really believe our church is on the right track. I think Worship Connect Serve Share is uh, deeply biblical. I think it works. I think it's a great strategy for discipleship. I just think we need some attention to our culture. And what I mean is not what we're doing, but why we're doing what we're doing. And that a lot of times people, me in particular, maybe you're like this, you can get in those motions where you're just kind of going through the motion. Life's busy. Things are happening fast. Kids are going here. Da, 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 and you're just kind of surviving. And, and I, what I found is like that's a really bad place to be especially as a disciple of Christ, because you, you, you're kind of following this path out, and you don't know why you're going, what you're doing, and you're just kind of blindly following. Uh, that's not really faith. That's just uh, convenience, because you don't got to put no thought, no energy into it. But one of the things I want us to look at today is, uh, why, is that, why is missions and why is discipleship important to the church? First of all, Jesus said this in John verse 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So what you got to understand is that as a disciple of Christ, that everyone falls into this category. And Jesus is not saying, I'm sending some of you. I'm sending those of you who are extroverted. I'm sending some of you that like people. He says, I'm sending you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Uh, and if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts. We're going to be camping out there. You can go ahead and find your place in Acts chapter 2. But I want to read Acts 1.8. This is one of my favorite Bible verses. And Jesus is speaking here. The disciples, uh, he has given them this instruction to stay in Jerusalem. He's ascending to heaven. If you read the, the end of Luke's gospel, you'll see this kind of account of this happening. Jesus is leaving. He's telling his disciples, hey, stay here in Jerusalem. Wait. Just wait. Don't try to go do this on your own. Don't try to create some movement. Just wait. Wait on me. I'm sending you power from on high. Fast forward to the book of Acts. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And so he's, re, he's re-engaging that same topic idea. And this is what Jesus says in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what we see here is that Christ is commanding his, his disciples to wait. Because he is going to send them... The Holy Spirit. Now, this is interesting because the Holy Spirit is described here by Jesus as the power. It's God's power in the life of the believer. Now, a lot of people's like, well, you know, what is the purpose of the church? What was it all about? And I, what I want us to look at today is Acts chapter 2 and look at when the church was born at the day of Pentecost and really dive in to discover the mission of the church and what discipleship in the church really does look like. Jesus gave the power of the Holy Spirit, and with that power, he said, you will, you will be my witnesses. That's so important as a believer of Christ to understand this, is that when you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit, and you are empowered by God himself to be a witness for him, not just at your church, but in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. God has called his people to be a mission, a people on mission because he is a God that is on mission. Jesus said, I am sending you because 
I was sent. I was sent, so I am sending you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, just to bring honor to your name as we read your word and look at what it means to be a missional church, what discipleship in the church really looks like. God, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to give us insight. God, convict us where we need convicting. Lead us, God. Uh, mold us and make us to what you want us to be. And God, may you be honored uh, through the service today. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. So in Acts chapter 2, uh, some things are happening. This is where the Holy Spirit is coming down, and God is, is establishing his church. Now, it's called Pentecost. And one of the things I need you to understand is that Pentecost, a lot of times, maybe you've grown up in a different background, different denomination. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of my family that I didn't know, but a lot of my family was like Church of God. So apparently, I've never met these uncles, but I hear through the family grapevine that I got like six of my uncles were like Church of God preachers. And so if I see real animated, and maybe that's where I get that from. I don't know. But, you know, you think about that. But Pentecost is not, in this particular passage, this is not talking about some denomination. It's not talking about uh, being charismatic or having charisma. This is actually a literal event that happened in the history of Jews and the church. And so uh, this is an important time. So look at Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, let me stop. If you're from a charismatic background or you have family, you're, you, you know, this passage to you could be like, oh, speaking in tongues. What's really happening here? This is not a heavenly language that the scripture is talking about, as some people would uh, say. This is actually literally the disciples are given the gift to speak in different languages. In this passage, you got to realize that some things were happening. People were traveling to Jerusalem from all over. They were coming from all over the place. 100,000 people coming here to, uh, uh, to participate in this feast of weeks. Or this feast of harvest that we're calling Pentecost. Uh, they come in droves and they're participating. And they're, they're coming from all different backgrounds. They spoke different languages. And what we're going to see as this story goes on. Is that God is going to empower those disciples. Particularly Peter is going to stand up. He's going to preach. And each person coming from different tribes. Coming from different regions of the world. They're going to hear the gospel proclaimed in their own native tongue. So as you saw like the video where Amber... Uh, and Carly. So they're over there. These people speak French. They were teaching them English, but they also have a native tongue. I can't remember what they called it, but um, that's what's happening. And as these disciples are speaking, the Holy Spirit through them is basically taking their words and translating it into the language so that the people all around each at one moment at simultaneously all hear the same message, but in their own language extraordinary event like it's amazing it's like blowing people's minds like what is going on here but one of the couple things i want you to understand is that this is taking place uh in the beginning this is happening in a house but it then translates and moves to uh, a public place which could be this place here this is uh, a picture of the southern steps in uh in, in jerusalem if you're going with jamie and caleb you'll probably go to this place and you got to understand that what we're reading today 
that it could very well be that 3,000 people profess Jesus Christ right there, and you can't see it, but there's all kinds of little <laughs> baptism pools all around. They're called mikvahs, right, Jamie? I always get that word mixed up. But there's all these pools, and they were professing Jesus as Lord and going to be baptized in his name. Boom, just like that. There was this move of God that swept across. Was All these people were coming all over the places. God showed up, and he moved. Now, here's what I want you to understand is that this is no accident. The word Pentecost is a Greek word. It actually means 50. All right, why is that significant? Because Pentecost is 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. What does that mean? Well, if you know anything about the Jewish feast, you know this. Jesus died during what feast? Passover. So he was crucified during the Passover. He was resurrected during the Feast of First Fruits. The Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, which was the Feast of Weeks, also known as the Feast of Harvest, which was 50 days after First Fruits. Do you know this? Kind of a cool little side note here is that the Feast of, um, excuse me, uh, that the Passover, uh, the, excuse me, the resurrection was on a Sunday, and the giving of the Holy Spirit happened on a Sunday. Uh, some, you may ask, like, why does the church, if the Sabbath traditionally, the Sabbath day is on a Saturday, why does the church worship on Sunday? It's for this reason. Because Jesus was resurrected on a Sunday, and because God sent his spirit and started his church on a Sunday, so the church meets together to celebrate some of the, the two most important things to us. So this is incredible. That's just a little side note. Uh, just to kind of take into account there. Uh, on this Feast of Weeks, uh, this was a time where Jewish men were commanded by the Scripture to come and to celebrate God giving the law and to make an offering, a grain offering. It was commanded. It was, they had to do it. So God has told his disciples, told his followers, wait here in Jerusalem. Wait on me. Don't start nothing. Don't try to make something happen. Wait on me. I'm going to send power from on high, and I'm going to do it at a very specific time in a very specific way. I don't know about you. It kind of seems like God had this planned out. Like it wasn't just an accident that Jesus' death lined up with Passover that his resurrection lined up with the Feast of First uh, Fruit, and now that the Holy Spirit's coming during the Feast of Harvest. Because what's going to happen is that God is about to see a miraculous harvest of people surrender their life to Jesus Christ. This passage in Luke uh, Acts 2 tells us that 3,000 people instantaneously gave their life to Jesus. Like, bam, it happened. That is incredible. What you also need to know is that this also, by the Jews, was a time where they believed that the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of uh, um, Harvest was when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. So now Jesus is sending his spirit. And listen to what Ezekiel prophesied about this moment. This is what he said in Ezekiel uh, 36. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God had told his people there's going to be a time coming where you're not going to be bound to this rules and regulations and laws and keeping these rituals. But I will write my law on your heart. 
I will take out your heart of stone. I will put a heart of flesh and my laws will be written on your heart. I will be your God and you will be my people. That prophecy was coming to pass. Now, Peter gets up in, in this. If you read on in this chapter, he preaches and he also reminds them that the prophet Joel said in his prophecy that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all people. And that is exactly what's happened. God is moving in an extraordinary way. And we can see that this is God moving for the Jewish people. Pentecost was a feast of harvest. And it was celebrating giving Moses the Ten Commandments. But for Christians, Pentecost is God sending his spirit to empower his people to fulfill his plan. And God launching the global mission of the church. Listen, the church was born as a missional organism. Missions are not something we do. Okay? Mission is what we are. We are a people on mission with God. It is closely, it is our identity, it is our DNA. You can't separate Christianity following Jesus and being a missionary. They go together. And sometimes in this Western culture, we think about things in, in categories and in boxes. And sometimes we've industrialized church and the thought process of what it means to follow Jesus. But here's the reality. If you are a follower of Jesus, God's word has just told us that you have the Holy Spirit in you. And the function and the purpose of that Holy Spirit is to empower you to do what? To be a witness for Jesus Christ. Every Christian, every person is called, is gifted to be a witness for Christ. It's not just extroverted people. It's not just people who like attention. God has called every person who knows the Lord Jesus to give their life to him, to follow him, to submit their time, their life, to use their words, use their voice to bring glory to God's name. Now, I know I was the type of person growing up, I hated talking in front of people. Like, I was a kid. I am not kidding. I'm not joking. When I was in school, I would sweat bullets if I had to get up in front of my classes. I was horrible at reading out loud. I couldn't talk out loud. Like, I, my words would cross on my page, and I hated it. When I felt God leading me to ministry, I was like, uh-uh. I don't want to talk in front of people. Now, I get nervous, but I've learned that that's just part of it. And I got this little speech. I'm like, just suck it up, Nick. Go do it. There we go. Uh, that's kind of how it's that simple. It's not very spiritual. It's like, quit being a weenie. Go. Uh, <laughs> here we go. You know, God is faithful. That's what I've learned. If you will make yourself available, God will use you to do things that you didn't even know were possible. But I want you to understand, if you are a believer in Christ, then God has given you the same mission that he has given me. He's called you. To be an evangelist. He's called you to use your mouth to share the gospel. To make the world, uh, to make Christ known to the world. Missions are important to the church. Because that's what God has called us to do. To share the gospel. To share the good news of Jesus Christ. If you think of missions as a good thing to do. Just as like, hey, it's just that, that, you know, they're good to do. Because it's good for the world. It's good for the community. It's good PR for the church. You're thinking about missions in the wrong way. Missions are not just good things to do. Missions are what God has called us to do. It's what we get to do. And every believer should participate and be a part of the mission of making Jesus known to the world. 
In fact, Christians should be so involved in missions that you can't tell the difference of what your life would be like if you didn't do it. That's really how I've tried to live my life. It's like, I'm not just going on a mission trip. I'm trying to live my life on mission for Jesus Christ. No matter where you are and what you're doing, God has called you, he has gifted you, he has empowered you to be a witness for him. One of my favorite quotes is by Charles Spurgeon. It's been on my office wall for 10 years, I know. He said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Every one of us, if you know Christ, you're either about the business of kingdom work, making Jesus known to the world, or you're an imposter, is what Charles Spurgeon would say. And I get it. But I also get this, that your life could be overwhelming and consuming, and you got all these things going on. Like, I got four kids. Like, there's, I'm like, I got to feed these people. Ah, oh. Like, that's the thing I'm thinking about the most, like, what are we going to do for breakfast? What are we going to do for lunch? What are we doing for dinner? Because it's like, I look at my kids, it's like, you ever seen a, a nest of baby birds? That's what my kids are like. Beep, 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 beep. And I'm like, ah, it costs so much. Can't you just eat peanut butter? Or you know, like, I invented this famous recipe called garlic noodles. Yeah. What my kids and most people don't know, it's just spaghetti noodles with garlic butter, garlic salt. It's really easy. But it's only 99 cents to feed my family. <laughs> I'm like, who wants garlic noodles? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> God has called us. The church is not just a place where people do missions. We are on mission for God because that's who we are. Our God is a missional God. He sent Jesus Christ to save us. And Jesus has sent us into this world. That is, it's part of the deal. You don't get to pick if you're dad or not. This is who we are in Christ. We are a missional people. We are the church of Christ. Now look at verse 42. Because we want to, I want us to look at some discipleship things here real quick and, and really pay attention. Here's what's happening. All these thousands of people have given their life to Christ. There's this move of God, the Holy Spirit, bam. It's evangelistic. It's evangelism. It's like, woohoo. Uh, it's, it's awesome. It's a display of God's power. But what about all those people who gave their life to Christ? What now? And so, you know, churches are notorious for like, let's figure out this program. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's run them through this gauntlet. And like I said, I think Worship Connect, Serve, Share is a wonderful process for us as a church, a wonderful strategy. Uh, but I want to point out some things. Of, this is how it all started, and this is what, this is what they did. Because I really think this makes a difference. Look at verse 42. Let's read this together. They devoted themselves, talking about those who have given their life to Christ, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Verse 46 Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So I want to, I want to point out seven things in this passage that we can learn from the early disciples, those who had converted to Christianity, given their life to Jesus. What did they do to get about and go on down this discipleship track what was that like for them? Number one is they devoted themselves to the word. Look at verse 42. 
It says they devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles. Now, I can't say this enough, okay? It is hard to grow in your faith, to grow in your understanding of Jesus, to grow in your understanding of God if you don't choose to devote yourself to the word. And I'm going to be honest, coming to church on Sunday morning isn't really, like, that's not devoting yourself to the word. These new believers were going daily, and they were picking up the scriptures, what the, uh, which they didn't have Bibles like this, but they were gathering together, and they were discussing the scriptures and saying, this is what, the, this is what Jesus is, this is what he has done, and they were diving in, they were devoted to learning the word. If you are a follower of Christ and you are a disciple, all right, you have to make a decision. I can't make that decision for you. Jamie can't make the, the churches. You have to make a decision to devote yourself to the word. Guys, how would it work out for you if you just decided one day you weren't going to talk to your wife for the next 16 years? Probably not so good, right? You'd be like, I don't think our relationship's really good. Like you have to communicate. That's, that's what it means to have a relationship. You have to spend time together. You've ever thought about, like, I wish my relationship with God was stronger. I wish, I wish my relationship was deeper. I want to go deeper spiritually. Listen, there's a lot of ways to frame it. But here's the question. How much time are you spending in the Word? Like, you can't just come on Sunday and like, give it to me, Pastor. Like, hit me. Like, fill me up. You've got to be a self-feeder. Every one of you in this room can read. There's nothing stopping you from picking up this Bible. Look, I promise you I ain't the smartest person in this room. I'm probably like down here, you know. Like, I graduated high school with a 1.7. Don't laugh. I had a lot going on in my life. School wasn't important to me. But I'm not a smart person in that way. I, you know, like, God can use anybody. I just, I was hungry for, to learn God, to know God. And I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And, and listen, you have the Holy Spirit. Does anybody know one of the purposes and one of the functions and the roles of the Holy Spirit? God says he's a teacher. He will teach you what you need to know. About what? About the rules of religion and Western society? No, about who God is. You have to be devoted to the word. You can't make somebody be a disciple if they don't want to be a disciple. You can't make somebody grow in their relationship with Christ if they don't want to grow in the understanding of the word of God. You got to go after it. You got to take that responsibility. You got to take that initiative. The second thing is they devote themselves to each other. <clears throat> this is great because this is a place where it shows us that, you know, the scripture says they had all things in common and they were gathering together. No one can make you be in Christian community. It's hard. In fact, if you're you know, not from Pickens, and you moved to Pickens. Lisa and Randy, you guys are from Ohio. I'm going to pick on you a little bit. You know, say you're from Ohio, and you kind of got like this weird northern West, Midwestern kind of vibe about you. Not against you guys, but uh, <laughs> you come down to little Pickens, and you got all these hospitable, like these southern people who are deep in hospitality, uh, who are just going to welcome you into their life. It don't work like that, Jack, right? Well, we're nice. But we just won't be nice for a second. God bless you. <laughs> it is hard. Listen, to be in a church, I know there's people in this room, you crave to have deep community. Maybe you grew up in a little small church and you're like, you know, everybody knew everybody. That's because you were all kin. 
my sister, cousin, aunt, uncle. Thank God we're not all kin. We have some problems in here. You know, but it works. You have to work to get connected. You have to. It says they, listen, they devoted themselves to each other. They kicked and clawed to find community. And if you're here and you've been sitting in this room, you say, I can't get connected. Don't just sit there with your arms crossed. Don't, don't go talk to me. Go talk to people. Get to know people. They don't know if you're new or you've been here for two years. I just met this couple here. I said, hey, how long have you guys been here? Because I've been gone for 40 days and I don't know. I don't, I don't remember seeing you. They said, oh, we've been coming for a while. I said, okay, great. Glad you're here. Nice to meet you. People don't know. You have to devote yourself. You've got to take initiative. You've got to want it. You've got to go get it. Being in community with other believers is a part of your discipleship journey. We shouldn't have to like knock on the, like, come on, come on, come on. You've got to understand that this is a valuable part of you growing in your relationship with the Lord. This is what they did. They were in community together. Number three is they devoted themselves to remembering the Lord. They broke bread together. This was a time where they reflected on what Jesus had done for them. They celebrated the resurrection of Christ. They were thankful. They were glad in their hearts that Jesus died for them, that he rose from the grave, and that they were saved. They celebrated the Lord. They, number four, devoted themselves to prayer. You very rarely meet someone growing in their spiritual life if they're uh, without prayer. Prayer has been a part of the most uh, the biggest spiritual movements in the history of man uh, that we know that you can trace it back to someone praying. Jesus himself prayed for you. Prayed that, that you would stay strong in your faith. He prayed for you. Prayer is important. You have to devote yourself to prayer. It's not just this transaction that happens to transition from one thing to the next in Christian circles. Prayer is actual communicating with God. Like I was telling the little kid in Cincinnati, he said, you mean God can hear me? I said, yeah, I love you, God. <coughs> prayer is building relationship with God. And, and mostly prayer is, is humbling yourself so that you can see God work in and through your life. It's admitting that you need the Lord. You need him to show up. You need him to do things. And it's not just this religious ritual that we do because this is what Christianity is about. Prayer is a real thing where you're picking up, you're dialing the spiritual phone. You're going, hey, Father, listen. I just need, I need some, I need some advice. I need some help. God, show me your will. Teach me your ways. Change my heart. Change my mind. God, I need you. Will you help me? That's essentially what prayer is. Number five is they devoted themselves to large and small group gatherings. You know, this is not, you say, well, you know, I like going to church, but, you know, I, I ain't got time for Sunday school. I ain't got time for home groups and all that. That's just a Western thing anyways. You know, like I grew up Catholic or I grew up this way. And it's a, you know, it's not, that's, you don't have to do that. You're, okay, yeah, okay. You don't have to do that. Like religion has a lot of different rules and a lot of different paths. But here's what I want to suggest to you, okay? And here's some people in this passage, they give their life to Jesus, and we're just evaluating, what, what did they do? The scripture shows us that they devoted themselves to gathering together as a large group, and they devoted themselves to gathering in small groups. Look at verse 47, uh, 46, excuse me. Verse 46 says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, large group. They broke bread in their homes, small group. And ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all people. 
You want to be in community. You want to have a spiritual community. You want people to pour into your life. You got to take the initiative and you got to make it a priority to be together with the body of Christ in a large group and to be together with the body of Christ in a small group. If you just got one of those going on, I'm suggesting that you're missing out. You're missing out on growing as a disciple, helping others grow as a disciple. Number six is they demonstrated a contagious praise. The people saw a difference in their life and they were praising God. They, they were, uh, gl- their hearts were sincere and glad. And they were, the people around saw the joy of the Lord on them, in them, and coming through them. You know what I mean? And, and here's the thing. is like we're living in a day and time where people look at the church as an organization. And they look at us as like, this is, a, this is just your hobby that you do on the weekends. And then they see us walk away from this place. And we're just spewing poison out of our mouth. You know, just... We're negative Nancys and life sucks and we're saying all these things and people around are watching us. They're watching us. Even though they're not saying they're watching us, they are. You know, you ever been in that moment like you're in the grocery store and you yell at your kid like, hey, you better stop. And you look up and people are like, and you're like, or daddy's going to have to spank you. (laughs) Yeah, people are watching us. Can I just ask for a favor? Would y'all quit posting stuff on Facebook? Like, listen. Don't be ranting about how bad our community is and how bad these people are. You're the church. Keep your mouth shut. Won't you rant about how good God is? How good, how good his grace and his mercy is? Like, quit talking about politics and talking about how broken everything is. We need to be praising Jesus. We are the church. The people around us need to see some positivity. They need to see some people excited about the Lord. Not a bunch of negative Nancys on Facebook making out the world known. I'm going on a tangent thing. I mean, <laughs> I'm doing the Facebook thing publicly. <laughs> It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You really don't have to make your opinion known to the whole world. The disciples demonstrated a contagious praise. They they made a decision to focus their energy and their attention to praise God. Guys, that is contagious. We are living in a world that is hopeless and lost. And when they see somebody that has joy... Something, it piques their interest. Like, what's going on in that guy's life? What's going on in that, peop- that family? You have an opportunity to be a light in a dark place. Take advantage of that. The last thing they did is they devoted themselves to daily evangelism. In verse 47, it says, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. They wasn't holding like revival events. What happened is as they went, as they went to the marketplace and as they went down the roads and they went to the fields and did their jobs and they were doing all these things, they were praising God and celebrating what Jesus was doing in their life. This is what real evangelism looks like. It's just praising God for who he is in your life. And people took notice and it opened up an opportunity for them to share the gospel. And not the pastors and the preachers going out, the people, the church was going out and God was sending people daily to join and be a part of the church. You know, I have a deep desire to see 
revival break out in this community, break out in our church? Wouldn't you love just to go and see 3,000 people in Pickens be saved? You know how that happens? It's not going to happen by us putting fancy road signs up there on the road and telling everybody to come here. It's going to happen when the people in this room understand our mission. That God has called us and given us his Holy Spirit to go out into this community and be a witness for Jesus Christ. And when you go to your place of work and you go to your family and you go to your ball clubs or you go to the field where you play sports or you go to your neighborhood, you see everything through this lens that God has called you to be a missionary for him. And this is where he's placed you strategically in this time, in this place with a purpose to bring glory to his name and tell others about who Jesus Christ is. And you say, well, I don't know who he is. Start reading the Bible. Figure it out. Get in a small group. Ask questions. It's not like God has this pixie dust, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on here and voila. You have to grow. But that doesn't diminish the responsibility that we all have to share the gospel. Well, song, uh, well-known songwriter Keith Green said this, going to church doesn't make you a Christian just as Going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. (laughs) Pretty simple stuff, right? Listen, guys, this is wonderful. And this is a part of being the body of Christ, but this ain't what it's all about. It's also about going out of these walls and being the hands and feet of Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus, you've been given the Holy Spirit. And the reason God has given you that is so you will be a witness for him to a lost and dying world. Would you take that serious? It's a holy calling that God has given us. 